I am here with the one and only Antoine Allen of Antoine Allen Films, a good brother. I've known his brother for quite a few years, actually met him at my award show initially, the Philadelphia Independent Film Awards a few years ago, because he had a film that, that was nominated in our film festival. And, uh, you know, he's going on to do some absolutely, absolutely amazing things. If, if I gave you the rundown, we would be here all day. So we're just going to jump right into this thing. And I'm going to welcome the one and only Mr. Antoine Allen of Antoine Allen Films to a conversation with Mr. Allen. How you doing, my brother? How you doing, man? Thank you for having me. We haven't spoken in a long time, so we got a lot to talk about. It's it's, it's been a, it's been a minute. You've been up to you've been up to a lot of a lot of stuff. You know, producing your own films and you know being a producer on other people's projects. Lindy Maduro, uh, you know, working with her, who's absolutely phenomenal and everything. Welcome to a conversation with where we sit down with some amazing people in the film, media, and entrepreneurial space. We're going to talk about what makes them successful and hopefully we'll give you something to help you maximize your business, but more importantly, to maximize your life. So sit back and enjoy a conversation with, and I'm your host, Floyd Marshall Jr. So let's go back to the beginning. So how how did you actually get into the business? Well, I started in the music business. I used to work with up and coming artists from Queens, New York. That's where I'm from. Okay. And I was doing that for a while. And we work with artists from in the city. A lot of them, you know, especially if you did the work on yourself, a lot mm -hmm. of them actually they pain. So I was doing it for a while, but it wasn't going as planned because when you're a manager and you have the artists, if they decide to stop, your career stops. Mm. So I did that for a while, and I realized to myself, answer, I'm not happy. Because every time I have an artist, I take them somewhere big, they even get locked up, uh, they get in trouble with the law, a lot of in the industry type of stuff they're going through. So I said, I don't want to quit. What could I do? So I started doing music videos. I did music videos for a while, and then once again, I felt I didn't feel fulfilled because when you deal with the hip-hop artists, a lot of times they're limited. So I, so I asked myself, either I want to quit or reinvent myself. So I decided to reinvent myself. Then my first short film called Swift Decision is actually the short film version of the Lola franchise. And I fell in love because I, now I'm the artist. I know I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm not going to jail. I don't have no problems. So that was the thing. And I tell people all the times, man, like, you got to reinvent yourself or you got to quit. So I decided I didn't want to quit. I want to reinvent myself. That's why I started the music business. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to go back. I had some questions written down, but I want to ask you really quickly. You said that you know, when dealing with these artists, you were limited. And in, in what way were you limited? So when you live in an environment, and especially in the hood environment, mm -hmm. limitation me, uh, food, uh, money, uh, assets. We didn't have that. This this is way before we had Instagram and internet, or we could do this. This is the pre-MySpace days. Oh, and uh, that was a limitation. And also, too, mental health wasn't what it is now. Mm -hmm. Back then, when someone acting a certain way, we call them crazy, they wilding out. Really, they projecting their pain. Mm -hmm. At the time, I was projecting my pain too. So I had to do a work on myself. And uh, that was the limitations. Oh, okay. So you grew up in, in Jamaica, Queens. So so how did that shape you as you know someone who was in the music business, but also as a filmmaker? Because mm -hmm. you, you had a pretty it was it was pretty rough growing up for you in Jamaica, Queens. So so how did that end up shaping you as a as an artist? Yeah, I think what, what it did for me was it showed me that, you know, pressure even make diamonds or you really going to suffer. Mm -hmm. Being homeless, being in special ed, uh, being molested, going through all this trauma growing up, it really put me in a situation that I could be like my friends that's getting locked up, going to jail, or I could turn my pain into purpose. And that's what I did. I turned my pain into purpose and I realized we can't control how we start, but we, we, can, we can control how we finish. Right, right. So you, you were just talking about the fact that you were in music and then you, you, you transferred to film. Now, the impetus for that was the fact that you, you just weren't, music wasn't doing it for you anymore or? Well, it was what music was, you a manager. So the artists that you have, 
if they like I had, I had one artist, mm-hmm. he would he would have blew, but he went to jail for murder. Mm. When that happens, everything stops. That's the cow. When you have an artist, that's the money cow. So mm. if the money cow stops, then everything stops. Right. Manages a diamond does this, but the artist, so that's why I, said, I can't be in that situation no more. I can't. I gotta produce my own product. I gotta, you know, you look at Jay-Z. Jay-Z was an artist one time, but when he started, he said, listen, I don't like this environment. I got to leave. Mm-hmm. Start Rock Nation. Same thing. Okay. Okay. So you did the music. You did the films. So where where did the homelessness come in? How, how did that How did that happen? So how that happened was, this is a, this is a story that happens in the hood a lot. You have the mother. At the time, I didn't understand it, but now I'm old, I understand it. Mm-hmm. You have the mother that's looking for love. Mm-hmm. Brings in the boyfriend that's beating her. She brings in the boyfriend that's not only beating her, but paying the bills. Mm-hmm. And when the son or the kids get into it with the boyfriend, majority of times that story in the hood, the mother chooses the boyfriend over the kids. And that's what happened. One day I came in, they was fighting. I fought the boyfriend, beat him up. And she called the cops on me. And I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, I want to curse so bad. But I was like, what? So I had to make a decision. If there's no love in your own house, you have to leave. I left. I went on my own. I was always working. I was doing security. I always was working. Mm-hmm. But um, I was in a shelter for like a good year and a half. I had to be at the shelter because they had a curfew at like around 6, 7 o'clock. And um, I did that for a year and a half. A lot of people didn't know that I was homeless. And uh, the good thing, I had a job, though. Not only I had a job, good thing I don't have a record. Mm. So that's how I became homeless. And uh, I did it for a while. I, I, I laugh at the story now. I used to stay at the shelter in Manhattan. And one day I woke up, they took my shoes. And I wear a size 13. I'm like, who oh. the hell in the shelter wear a size 13? <laughs> I had to walk all the way to the Model store, but Model was around, and got me a new pair of shoes. But that's how the homeless you know, happened. Yeah. Damn. So... You're you're homeless for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I'm imagining how how old were you at that time? I was in my 20s, like 19, 20. Wow. Yeah. So so how did you finally get you together? Because you know I, I I've been doing some research and you basically you you had a mindset shift. So so talk about that. So you go from being homeless at 19, 20 years old to where you are now. Now, I know that, you know, that's a very broad question and, a, and, a, and a, it encompasses a lot. Oh, that's actually easy. Okay. So when you see your family broken, when you see your friends going to jail or getting murdered, when you see your friends being, a, being the number one baby daddy of the block, you ask yourself, do you want a better life? Mm-hmm. And looking at people like Tyler Perry, 50 cents from my neighborhood. Those people are like, wait a minute. Let me look at those. I call them virtual mentors. I don't know them, but they could be a virtual mentor. Let me look at their life. And I decided I want better. So the first steps I did was, I used to be an atheist. I don't think I ever said this before, not in public. I used to be an atheist. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was 19, around 20, I was figuring myself out. I was, well, I was on Jamaica Avenue. And this when like, the white gold was popular around then. And me and my friend got robbed in Jamaica Avenue with a guy with gunpoint. And I was nervous. And the guy said, don't run. I start running. He started pulling the trigger, but I didn't feel nothing. The gun jam. Mm. So me and my friend jumped the guy, took the gun back. And we looked at the gun. It was like, this is a brand new gun. And I went home. It kept bothering me. How the gun jam? That's the first time I pray. The first time I ever prayed, when, he, when I was like, please God, don't. First time I ever prayed. And that's the first step. I start my, my faith and foundation. Mm. So I'm not Christian. Or I just believe in a higher power. Okay. So that's the first thought, the faith and foundation. I said, okay, th- maybe this. And I thought, and someone, I don't, I think my ex girlfriend bought me this, The Secret, the book, The Secret. You ever heard of The Secret? Yes, yes, yes. I've the read Secret that. really helped me because it shows me we need to reprogram our mind. Once I learned about the secret, faith, and reprogramming your mind, and then looking at the 50 cents, the Tyler Perry's, the Jay-Z's, like, wait a minute. That was the foundation. So I started putting myself into boxing. I did modeling. I did wrestling for a little bit. I did a lot of things just to figure things out. 
And I tell people all the times, you wanna, you want something that makes you yours and find something, fall in love with something. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was falling in love with those girls that I thought was love, I was doing everything. Fall in love with something. And those are the foundations that taught me answer, reprogram, get knowledge, learn. You hear me? Yeah, hold on for a second. Um, for some reason, oh, wow. Yeah, my, my, my screen went black for a second, but you're there. I'm sorry. Yeah, so that's basically how it started, is reprogramming, finding faith, and knowing what's important. So that's how it started, and that's how that's the foundation of how I got here, was getting better and better. Also, do the work on yourself. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing is accountability. I think a lot of times we point the fingers at everybody, or we look in the mirror and be like, well, I'm not here yet. What are you doing? Mm-hmm. That's a tough question I have myself. Antoine, you can't expect all the results being a man when you act like a boy. Mm-hmm. So I had to do a lot of self-checking to myself. And that was that's how I got here, reprogramming. Yeah, see, that's that's one of one of the things that that I tell people if if you're going to be successful at anything, and success is relative. The one thing that you have to do is own your own shit. You know, you 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 can't look at outside and say, well, they're not filling the blank. As you just said, well, what am I not doing or what could I be doing better? Because I found in my travels that there's always something that you can do a little bit better. And in my opinion, that really separates, you know, people like you from people that are still trying to figure out where where they are. You've actually figured out that there's always something I can be doing better and I'm actually going to go and and, and actually do that. So you, you end up writing Split Decision. Now, before that, had you ever written a script before or was that your first foray into writing a script? That was my first time ever writing a script. Ever in life. I mean, I wrote little stories for like my music videos. Mm-hmm. My first time in writing. Wow. So, so where did you come up with the concept for Split Decision? Where did you, where did you come up with the concept for that? I'm a big fan of Rocky. And I sat back and said, Anton, what is a movie that's going to make you stand out? I could do the hood movies all day, got company, mm-hmm. but what can make you stand out? And I said, I'm going to do my female version of Rocky. And it's never been done before. It's still haven't never been done before. I'm the first filmmaker with a woman's boxing franchise. So the idea came from the Rocky franchise. I said, we would like to have a woman version of Rocky franchise. Mm-hmm. So at the time I had the money to do the franchise, so I did a short film version. That's another thing. I tell people a lot of times, we want to start off big, do the baby steps. Use your pebbles to build your castle. And that's how the idea came about. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, and, and that's, that's what people, I, it always amazes me how, but I'm, I'm guilty of this when I first started in this business. You know, I said, oh, yeah, within two years, I'm going to be walking the red carpet in Hollywood, yeah, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Not understanding how this thing works. Now, 19 years in, I'm finally getting some traction. But, you know, the one pebble was 19 years ago walking into somebody's modeling agency. And I think a lot of times, you know, people just don't get that. So you do split decision. It wins multiple awards. So when did you decide to turn this into a feature film? So at the time, I had the money. So what I did was, that's why I met you. I, I, most filmmakers, they do this short film and do another short film, do another short film. Mm-hmm. Once I won that first award for my short film mm-hmm. and I got my first trip to L.A., I said, oh, I'm feeling myself. I did a feature <laughs> called Life Too Short. So my first feature was Life Too Short. That's why okay. I made it. Wow. And that feature film won like 30 awards. And it just, it just gave me a lot of confidence, a lot of boost. My, I was like, oh, okay. Oh, I see this. And then from there, I did Life Too Short. I did like 15 more shorts. And then I didn't do the light, the, I didn't do the, the Lola franchise until what year was COVID? 2020. So I, I did around, I started the process around 2021. I was so, ready, I was mentally, mentally, physically ready after having all the projects under me. So you did. Split decision, and then your next film is Life's Too Short. Feature, yep. With no real filmmaking or screenwriting experience. So how how did you build your team? If, if mm-hmm. I mean, you had the music experience, but how did, how did you build your, your film team? So I back then we had Craigslist. Okay. But the reason why I was able to do so much, I came from the, the, the music business. The music business... 
if a big record label say we don't want you, that's fine. We make our own mm-hmm. label. And the film business is different. Film business, everybody waits. Everybody's afraid. They wait for a seat at the table. So I'm coming in with a different culture and mindset. I'm using my short films as my mixtapes, mm-hmm. using my feature films as my albums. So I'm taking the aggressive music business approach in the film business. At the film business, they 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 fit they fickle. They don't. When I go to LA and talk to people, they look at me like I'm a unicorn because mm-hmm. I already got 25 projects under my belt with no help except my team that mm-hmm. I've built over the years. So you you now you have a full production company, Antoine Allen Films. So you no longer write. You have you have staff writers. You have all of that. Yeah, I realized through the process, my strengths are weakness. A lot of times we want to focus on strengths. Focus, mm-hmm. focus on your, I mean, a lot of times you want to focus on our weakness. Focus on your strengths. Right. So I'm, I could write, but I'm not a strong writer. Right. I'm an amazing storyteller. So I hire writers to write my story, and then I direct them. That's what so I how, I'm sorry. So how do you go to the, go through the process of, of, you know, finding writers? Because you're the storyteller, they're the writer, but, you know, you want that story told a certain way. So, so how do you, or, or do you give them the outline, let them run with it, and then you take a look at it and then make corrections? How do you, how do you do yep. that process? So I tell them what I want, give them my outline, what I like. They write maybe first, second drive. Mm-hmm. I take that because I'm directing myself. So I know what I want. Right. Well, I need a blueprint. And then when I, when I get the ready for the production, I work with the actors, make it to my own. And that's all I need. All I need is a bones. So I hire the writer. Get them work for hire, do the paperwork, pay them. And then I, I own the rights. I get story credit. They get writing credit. And uh, that's how most of my films been. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. So let's talk about your uh, virtual mentors. I like that. I'm going to have to start using that because, you know, I feel the same way. I tell people all the time that so many of my mentors, I've never met them but they can still be your mentors if they're teaching you something. I, I have, man, I have so many virtual mentors that ain't funny, but let's talk about in particular, you mentioned, you know, Tyler, um, Curtis, you also mentioned Jay-Z and I, I was watching your interview on Film Courage and you you talked about the fact that they own their own IP, which is something that more people should really be looking to do so so talk about the importance of you know following their lead but more importantly only your own ip so most filmmakers don't talk about it because that's not that's not what they teach you only reason why i say it because i came from the music business Mm -hmm. so only your masters already programmed my head so when i come in the film business and i see auto directors that done tons of films but they have no ownership they have mm-hmm. to check for the ownership. There's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I don't want to be a filmmaker that did 400 films and don't own one. So there's a lot of filmmakers that don't own their stuff. So when I see a Tyler Perry, that like, wait a minute. The reason why he's a billionaire, not because he's the best filmmaker, because he understands ownership in business. I want some ownership. You don't have to own everything. We want to own something. So that's mm-hmm. when the ownership mentality came to my mind. If I never came from the music business, I'd be just like everybody else, just doing films because... Who teaching you my ownership? No one teach you that. If it was for Tyler Perry, we wouldn't know anything. So that's where it came from. To have some ownership, have something you could pass down, own some stuff. You know, when you become a director, you're going to get a lot of studio films, but you can own some stuff too. So I tell people, own something you can pass down. So you're not just relying. But most filmmakers don't think about that. Most filmmakers are the artists. I'm more business. And that's what got me where I'm at. It's not because I'm the best filmmaker in the world. It's because I have a business mentality. I didn't come in here being like, I want to be the best filmmaker. I want. I came in like, yes, own something. Yes, treat the film business like a t-shirt company. It's just a product. So that's why I'm able to be so successful is because my business mindset. When you're an artist, it blocks you. That's why most artists, if you look at them, they broke later on. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about others. They're not thinking about all this stuff. So that's what makes me special is I understand the business. Yeah. And, and you know what? That That's very profound. Because when when I'm when I'm out speaking to filmmakers, if I'm in a room, the one thing one of the first things out my mouth is a question, and I ask how many business owners do I have in the room? And you got all these artists, and they're sitting there looking at it, and no one raises their hand. I said, let me ask you again, 
how many business owners do I have? And they're looking like, well, what are you getting at? And then I'll say, okay, so how many filmmakers and artists do I have? And everybody raises their hand. And I'm saying to myself, so are you not making a product, which is your film? So why would you not consider yourself a business person? And like you said, I think so many of, of them miss out on that aspect of the business and they don't end up licensing any of their of, of their of their IP. So have you actually looked into that as of yet, as opposed to doing a distribution deal licensing? So that's what none that makes me special. When I talk and do the workshops, I have receipts. Mm. Most filmmakers don't have receipts. So Lola, I own the franchise. So when I brought the investors in, the investors get their money back, but I own everything. Now, Lola 2 is a little bit different. Lola 2, I did a partnership with my partner, Monica Floyd. So we have ownership, half ownership. But um, when I do, like, it's licensing deals. Like right now, watch Lola 2 right now on Black Streaming Service. That was a licensed deal. They don't own it. So when that contract is up, the film goes back to me. But like, once again, 90% of filmmakers don't know about this talk because you're not taught this. You're not taught this in film school. You're not taught this nothing. So when I do teach and mentor filmmakers, I'm teaching the business side of it. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes me special is the business side. And the reality is most filmmakers that make it to a certain level, they don't get, they don't come back and teach the business. So I'm actually building a film academy that that probably be up and running within three to four years. Oh, I'm building a film academy because that's what I don't teach you in film. So film suit teach you to be the best artist, not, a, not the level of just be a business person. So right. yeah, a lot of my films, we do license deals. Some they own, some I do license deals with. With lower okay. franchise, I own it. Everything's licensed there. Oh, that's beautiful. So, so to the lay person that's watching this, explain the difference because you broke it down. But I, I want you to break it down even a little further for them. The difference between licensing and distribution. Just you know, well, actually, it's the same thing. So you have two options when you write this idea, the strip. It could be a feature film, it could be a series. Whoever's putting up all the money gonna own it unless you work out a negotiation deal so in my case yes use lola because lola's the current film Mm -hmm. i did lola one lola one was hard for me to get funding with most stuff so i maxed up some credit cards took some loans out got some friends and family and funded myself everybody got paid back but i own everything Mm -hmm. so once you own it um you have two options you go to a distribution company an aggregator those are middle people that, that get you to the, the, the iTunes, the Hulus, the BTs, whatever. They don't own anything. All they're doing is licensing your content. So whoever puts up all the money, most likely going to own it, own the film. Now, you have some situations that a person will own it, but an investor will come in and say, hey, I'm putting up $200 for your film. I just want percentage. So it's all about what you negotiate. Mm-hmm. On my term is, if you're investing, it depends how much you invest in, that's on the ownership. But I need some ownership. Some artists don't care. But like I said, every deal is different. It's all about you negotiate. So in my case, I got the investor. I invest the money. I own everything. I own half. And then I go to a distributor. So the distributor I used for Lola One was a great company called Homestead Entertainment. Homestead mm-hmm. is a great company I used. They, we did business with Lola One. Um, they put on Tubi, um, mostly on Tubi, because Tubi make the most money. Mm-hmm. Amazon Prime, you make no money. So all the filmmakers that are watching this, if you put your film on Amazon, you're not going to make no money. And also, too, you got, you got to market. That's another thing we forget. You have to market your projects. You have to put marketing budget in your budget. A lot of times, we just post here and there. If you look at my strategy, I'm on TV. I sent you a Fox, Fox TV. I got a PR. I go all out because it's the brand. But once again, I have this knowledge. So when you have a film, two options. Once again, whoever funded it is going to own it. And if you, if you put up some money, the prison negotiation, you license it. Licenses is, for example, Lola 2 right now is exclusive license to all black network. Mm-hmm. Three years. Once that three years is up, it's go back to me. So it basically comes now. If you just wrote the strip, you have no money. And that's how I come in and produce it. I'm going to own the whole thing. I might give you a, a pay for your, for your writing or directing, but I'm going to own the whole thing. So whoever put up the most money, majority of the time, they're going to own it. Unless you negotiate something, some situation. So in my deals, I make sure I have some ownership. Unless I'm, I have something, they put up all the money, then they could have it. I have tons of projects. 
Wow. Wow. So you, you touched on something that I want to talk about marketing and branding. That seems to be a, a major part of your business strategy. So again, to the laypersons that may be watching this or someone that's new to this business, why is the marketing and the branding so important to the life of your film? Because right now, there's tons of films out there. You have to do brand awareness. The reason why, when you see those kids on TikTok and Instagram making all that money on ads, they figure out marketing. It's kids I know right now that are retiring their mother, and they're only 28. Mm. So when you see those TikTok people doing those dances and doing all this stuff, and you look at the Forbes list, you're like, how are they doing this? they marketing and promotion. Everything's a brand now, because back in the day, the only time you get to see something is on regular TV and a billboard. Now, that doesn't do anything anymore. So now, that's why they hire those influencers, because those eyeballs is that. You got this kid that's doing a million views. Like, how they... So that's the difference. So when you see me doing an interview, you're, you might, might see my shirt all the time, Lola 2. Mm-hmm. That's branded. That's marketing. So while you're watching the interview for an hour, you're going to be like, where's Lola 2? Lola 2 is on All Black right now. So we market daily, but for some reason, we don't market ourselves. Sometimes I, when I do my workshops, I tell my filmmakers, pull, pull, up your, pull up your Facebook, pull up your Instagram. Let me see the last 10 posts. Now, if the last 10 posts about baby showers, Beyonce tickets, you're marketing or everybody else, stuff yourself. Mm-hmm. And you don't even realize it. Because in the film business, the reason why, look, a lot of times we could point fingers. Why are they not doing this? The film industry don't teach you this. Mm-hmm. They don't teach you about marketing. And brand. They don't teach you none of this stuff. So sometimes when I speak to somebody, it's like a foreign language. Because they, they, that's not what they taught. They taught about the red camera, the aura camera, the best software. They teach you that. They're not teaching about marketing. And that's the thing we got to learn. Because our other counterparts, to do the bare minimum, we can't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's so true. You know, uh, I don't know if you know Cheryl Bedford, but she says all the time, it's 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 show business, and there's I a reason that. that business. She's phenomenal, but she says there's a reason the word business is bigger than the word show. And again, and, and you know, you're you're so right. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be creative, but what do you do with the product? Once it's created, and I think a lot of creatives miss miss that that point. They miss that caveat that yes, you're a creative, but you're actually creating a product that is going to market. And what I what I point to a lot of times is, look what happens when you go to a to a movie theater and you're sitting in the theater waiting for your film to start, and they start showing all these trailers. Basically, they're getting the consumer ready to purchase a product that's going to be out in the future. You, you understand what I'm saying? So you, you, you're so right when you talk about marketing and branding being such a, a big part. And if it wasn't a big part, print and advertising wouldn't be such a major portion of a major motion pictures budget if, if it wasn't important. But let's talk about Lola 2. So you did Lola 1. Had a good friend of mine in it, Lakia Dillard, phenomenal, phenomenal brother. Uh, and then you do Lola too, and I see some phenomenal names in in that in that in that in that film. I can't wait to see it. So, how did you go about casting? And you know, what made you decide to do Lola two? And is there a Lola three in the works? Because you said it's a franchise. Yeah, so Lola was always going to be a franchise. I was trying to get people to help me. I was trying to go to studios. Everybody said no because they mm. didn't see the picture. I actually had a situation, I talk about it on some other interviews, that when I did Lola 1, I had an investor that wanted to put up a lot of money for Lola 1, but the only stipulation was they wanted a licensed complexion to play the lead. And I was like, why they got to be licensed? I answer when you know it's a marketing. What they basically were saying in terms is they want someone to appeal to a Caucasian artist. Mm. Like I said, that's fine. I didn't take it personal. That's another thing in this business. Take nothing personal. Because at the end of the day, they just doing what they programmed to do. So I said, I want someone to look like me. So I did my casting call. I got this beautiful, amazing actress, Taja V. Simpson, that you can see on the top of every hit show, The Oval. And I'm a caster for Lola 1. And I just got my resources together, and we did Lola 1. Lola 1 did so well because the pan did it. It came out during COVID, so everybody mm-hmm. was home. And I was one of the few filmmakers that had a finished product. It was new. So everybody went on Tubi and watched it. 
So I built the buzz up, built the buzz up. And then for Lola 2, same situation. I could get the money to help me. That's fine because I think the main reason was it was a woman demographic situation. So this is another key thing you do. When you're looking for investors, if you know you have a woman type of demographic, don't go to men. Because most men don't want to see that. So I went to an amazing woman producer that I met on Clubhouse named Monica Floyd, and she seen the vision. I knew she had two chocolate daughters, beautiful daughters that could relate. So that's nothing. When you picture people, picture their interests. You might get a no, but that no might be a less no if you picture their interests. Mm-hmm. So I met her on Clubhouse. We started talking. I told her what I'm doing, and we started filming. We actually filmed the movie during COVID. So I put my resources she got her resources, and we made this beautiful film. Hey, everybody. It's Floyd Marshall, host of A Conversation With. Have you ever listened to a podcast and said to yourself, I'd like to ask him a question? Well, you can. Just message me with a question or a comment, and I'll make sure to respond to it in the very next episode to your success. Visit anchor.com to send Floyd a question. Okay. Wow. So, so if you don't mind my asking, um, I'm not going to ask you, you know, what the film, you know, how much you made it for, but, but how many investors did you end up having overall? So Monica was the main investor. Okay. The film was under half a million, and I brought in other investors to take care of other stuff. But Monica was the main investor. She she put majority of the money, and then I got extra money for the marketing for certain things to bring bring them in. But um, but yeah, it was a we put our resources. So Monica, she's very resources. I wanted Roy Jones to be in the film. Roy mm-hmm. Jones one of my favorite boxes. She made a phone call. He flew from Russia. He flew from Russia to come to Atlanta to be in the movie. So Roy Jones is actually in the movie too. So yes, that's another thing too. Align with the right people that can make your dream come true. There's only so much you can do by yourself. Talk about that. I wanted to ask you something else, but man, you you know what? You just brought up something. Talk about that. Aligning yourself with the right people and then having the right people in your circle because you talked about vision and the fact that the main vision is yours, but you then have to go out and 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 find people that say, you know what, Antoine, I can't see the entire, I can't see it in its entirety, but you believe in it so much, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get down with you. So talk about, you know, the type of people that you need to have surrounding you in order to get something like a Lola 2 done. You gotta start the fire first. You can't expect people to invest in you if you're investing in yourself. So a lot of my success when it comes to getting helping is because I'm starting to fire first. Mm-hmm. And then the, the reality is it's okay people don't see your vision because it's your vision. Mm-hmm. That's something I had to learn. I used to get mad. Why you don't see my vision? It's amazing. That brother Antoine. It's your vision. God gave you this vision. It's not up to them. If they come on, they don't come on. Eventually they're going to come on. I remember when I was pitching Lola and everybody was saying no. Now I realize sometimes that no is a no for right now. They want to see how, a lot of times, the reality is people want to hop on a bag wagon. They, they don't have the vision. They, they, they want to see it first. Oh, you doing it? Oh, this actually got done? They don't want, like, you know many people right now hopping on a van wagon because it's loaded <laughs> too? But it's fine. I'll take it personal. Because in the beginning, yes, I think it really personal. Mm-hmm. Now I realize, Antoine, it's okay. They, they just didn't see the vision. It's fine. It's your vision. That's it. But that's what it is. You got to find people that actually hop on board and sometimes if people that you might not even like <laughs> it's okay if they can get you to if they can get the job done it's fine sometimes people in your life just for the season they're not there to be there forever yeah and, and this is a business and that is something that i had to learn i had to learn another thing too about the fact that well and i used to complain to my wife about this and i'm sure you can attest to this you know your, your wife who, who's a good listener i'm more than sure and you're talking to her and i'm complaining and my, my, my wife's looking at me like but it's your thing. Why are you mad? Because they don't see it. Yeah, I'm I like, but but like, but 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 like yourself. I'm like, but it's so this, it's so that. And she would say again, that's your thing. And Ed Milet said something very interesting. I just read his book, The Power of One More, and he said, 
other people don't have to see your vision. They just have to believe that you believe your vision. And if you're convincing enough to believe your vision, they'll be like, wow, Antron believes it so much. I have no choice but to get on board with it. We bought this 14 times, the iPhone. <laughs> we bought the same phone for 14 times. People, you got to realize most people are consumers. If they see something more than once, they're going to jump in it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, once I realized that Antoine, you you selling yourself. Most people don't see vision. They just they don't see it. Especially if you come to, you come to your people, they don't mm-hmm. they don't see anything. So you have to learn. Okay, if you get a hundred no, because this is the only industry I know that you get a hundred no's. The film business, the music business was not like this. This industry, you get so many no's, not even funny. So I had to realize Antoine, start the fight first. Start the fight first. You don't get your hundred no's, but it's, it's fine. All you need is that one yes. Yeah, and 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 the one yes can be the could yes cover, could cover the all the hundred no's. Yeah, Only two, I got a lot of no's, a lot of no's. It took that one yes to get where I'm at now. So that's why I said, but don't get me wrong, I was mad at the whole process. <laughs> <laughs> I can I feel things, but once you get past it and realize, Antoine, remember when he was homeless? Remember you in special ed? Look at you now. So it, it, it pays off. So let's let's talk about that really quickly. You, be, because I, I really want people to understand what you just said. You were upset going through the entire press process, but you didn't stop. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you kept going. And I, I remember you saying something again on the Film Courage interview about betting on yourself. So talk about that, because, again, it takes a a special mindset when you hear 100 people tell you no and you're like, okay, And then you ask the 101st person for the exact same thing when you just heard 100 no's. So talk about the the mindset and the fact that you, you bet on yourself because you know that this is something that you're good at doing. It's hard. It's an emotional roller coaster. So I go back to my virtual mentors, like a 50 cent. This man been shot. They murdered his mother. He got blackballed. And now he's one of the top film producers in, in this industry. I can't. I'm like, wait a minute. Tyler Perry was homeless and he got molested. I got molested before. So when you see those stories, I didn't go do none of that. I didn't get shot. I didn't, I didn't go do none of that stuff. I'm like, okay, I get, I, I get this. This is for special people. That's why we have 1% people. This is not for everybody. When people give up, I understand. I understand. This is an emotional roller coaster. This is not for the weak. So I had to go through all that to understand that. And when it comes down to it, it comes down to your faith. I'll be seeing filmmakers that like, Antoine, how are you, how are you, how are you doing this? I'm not stopping. Because I know when I used to work in corporate, I worked in corporate before. I got my six figures, I got my 401k, I got my insurance. I know when I hit 65, I retire and die. That's guaranteed. And nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. But if you want something more, you come on this side. This, this is the side that if you say you believe in a higher power, you want to get tested, your faith, this make you test your faith. This makes you test why you even alive. <laughs> this is not for the so, so I understand why people quit. I get everything. Before, I used to be really judgmental. But then mm-hmm. I said, Antoine, this is not for everybody. That's why there's only one Fifi, only one Jay-Z, only one Oprah Murphy. Only one Issa Rae, only one Jennifer Lopez. Like this is not for the the weak. And uh, and this is why I tell people: if you know you can't be that person, work with someone that's gonna be that person. If you can't beat them, join them. That's what I learned. You look at Jay Z people; they're all doing great. You don't know half of them who they are. Mm-hmm. So that's what I learned. Because we have to look in the mirror and know that. Listen, I can't. Like me, I know that I'm not this amazing writer. I know I can't sit down and write 100 pages. So I'm going to hire those people that's better than me to be part of the team. Yeah. But it's, all about, but it's all about, you know, really asking those tough questions about yourself. And then I think about the people in jail. I, I love watching all, uh, the cartel shows. Mm-hmm. Those guys are putting their freedom up every day, doing cocaine, selling drugs. We are free, but we're trapped in our mind. Mm-hmm. There's people out here that are doing what they want to do, not because they can't, because mentally they, they, they can't, their mind's stopping them. 
So I look at those people that actually risking their life, going to Columbia, doing all this drug stuff. I watch all those crazy shows. I'm like, wait a minute. If they can live their life on a run for years, I'm free. What's five, 10 years of just going after my dreams? That's the reprogramming. That's one of these perspectives. I have a partner named Eugene Walker. I remember he was like, Answer, this is too hard. I'm like, Eugene, you worked in Rikers Island for 25 years. What are you talking about? I blew his mind. He's like, yo, no one never, no one never even said it to me like that. Because as humans, we're so programmed to give our life up for everybody else, mm-hmm. but we don't got ourselves. And, and you know what? That's so true. And that's interesting. Because people, and, and it's this gentleman that I follow, Nehemiah Davis, he talks about this a lot. People will get up and it's nothing wrong with this, ladies and gentlemen, because I've been doing it for 30 years. People will get up and work a job and give the best years of their life to someone else. But when it comes to their dream, they will tell themselves why they can't do it 50 million times. Yeah, that was me. And it's just amazing. Like you said, it's not even a, it's not a physical prison. It's a mental prison because you, you, yeah. And it's so many, and it's so many talented people out there with, with something that they could share with the world. And just let me share a little something with everyone. And then we're going to get back to Antoine. There is absolutely nothing wrong with working the nine to five, because like I said, I've been doing it for 30 years. I retired next year, ladies and gentlemen. I wasn't leaving my job because the Benny's was good and the money was good. So, and plus I had a family, you know, and I had, I had, I had things I had to do. I had obligations. There's absolutely nothing wrong with working your nine to five. So you work your five to nine. Someone told me that one time. So if you want to work that nine to five in order to work your five to nine, then, then do it. But to not share your gift with the world is, 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 tantamount to a sin because you were given that gift specifically for you. So enough of that. I have um, another virtual mentor. I want you to watch this video on YouTube. It's with Steve Harvey. Steve Harvey jump. Man, that thing is my job. And someone sent me that video or maybe I came across it. He articulate. He, I can't wait to meet him. He articulate how to get out of my job. I was working in corporate. I was working in a hotel. I was doing mm-hmm. security for years. I was doing tons of stuff. And I was like, I need to get out, but I don't know how to do it. Because it's not the money. Mm-hmm. You got all the money in the world. It's the mental how to do this. Right. In the jump video, the way he explained jump, the go after your dream, hit me so hard. That was one of the also things that helped me leave my nine to five job. Because I was like, Antoine, you have no record. You can always go, you can always go back to work. But just take one year and better yourself. Mm-hmm. That one year I better myself. It was so many things that happened to me that I was like, wow. Because because oh, this is another thing I left out. This whole journey, I was working a regular job. I just gave up my regular job two years before COVID. Mm. I realized, Antoine, you were doing all this stuff. You wasn't even making a dent. So work smarter, not harder. I kept my regular job. That job helped me get loans, pay for my films, uh, took my 401k out. So a lot of times I feel like I need to be free. Nobody wants you. No one's calling your email. No one's buzzing you. Stop. Get out that mindset. So I actually use my regular job to help me get where I'm at. I just gave up my job two, three years ago during COVID, before COVID. So I always had a job. So I tell people, have a job and a dream. Yeah. And, you know, the award show that you came to, my, <laughs> my job helped fund that. Yeah, so. Yeah. You know, it, it's nothing wrong with working and, and honest living until what does Oprah say? Oprah says, do what you have to until you can do what you want to. Yeah. And, you know, for some and then, you know what? Some people don't want to be that full time entrepreneur. They're fine, you know, basically having a hybrid type of situation where they have a job and then they have you know, there, there are other things. So there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I really want people to understand that because sometimes you'll see these entrepreneurs, yo, yo, I'm in this grind, blah, 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 blah. You know, lead job player. I have a mortgage. I have a car note. I got kids in private school. So. Yeah, this is like I said, I tell people at times, it's not for everybody, but 
if you decided that, wait a minute, I want to do something for myself, I felt like this job is not where I'm at, mm-hmm. jump, jump. You can always go back. You were getting a job. That's what I realized. I can always go back. I have no record. I can always go back. But I said, let me, me try. If I could give a job, I'm 42 right now. Mm-hmm. If I could get a job 25 years of my life, what about doing two years for myself? Bingo. 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 So, so what's next on the horizon? So Lola 2, well, you know what? Let's talk about the premiere really quickly because you did the premiere in Los Angeles. In Atlanta, yep. Oh, you did it in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm sorry. You did it in Los Angeles and Atlanta? Yep. Same oh. week. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I did two premieres. Um, so Lola 2 is out right now on All Black. It came out on my birthday, April 6th. I did a lot of press for it. I sent you the link to watch it. And then, um, yeah, I did a premiere in LA. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Back up. Stop. You sent me the link to watch Lola 2? Yeah, it's in the email I sent you. Yep. I just sent it. Yep. I sent it last night, I think. Oh, 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 because I'm saying to myself, hold up now. I did not get, well, you know what? I'm on the interview right now. I'll look at that later. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. Well, bet. I'm going to have to watch yeah, that. Yeah, I sent thing. you, um, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, I sent you uh, last night, like around uh, 644. Okay, you know what? To the, uh, sorry, ladies and gentlemen. To which email? The TAE or the Philly Film Awards? TAE. Okay, you know what? I'm gonna look at it once we're once we're okay. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, back to the show. <laughs> yes, the link to watch it is on All Black, and I also sent you the interview that I did on Fox News. So I did a whole press run on it. Um, I'm also gonna see the, the premieres I did. So I did a premiere in LA, and then I did a premiere in Atlanta, Georgia. It was amazing. A lot of people came out. A lot of stars came out, and um, it was amazing. This is my first network deal. I never did a network deal before. Wow. So it was really, really dope. So uh, Lola 2 is out. Came on my birthday, April 6th. And um, you can watch it. And then um, next for me is I got a few Christmas movies coming out this year. Beautiful. I'm a Lola 3. We're doing that next year. Yeah, we got a lot, a lot of projects coming out, man. Okay. So you, so did you work closely with, with Nikki Love on in, at All Black to, 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 to get this so, thing done? I, so Nikki Love is amazing, but I work with Brett. Okay. Yeah, Brett, um, me and Brett, I'm um, in my other partner, um, Rob Johnson from Homestead. Um, we got the deal together. But yeah, All Black has been amazing. Um, right now, I, I don't have cable, but I see the commercials going on WeTV. People sending me the commercials on WeTV about it. And actually, um, if you go on All Black now, I don't know if it's still there, but right now, Lola 1 and Lola 2 is the most popular movies on the stream. That's what's now. up. Yeah. Congratulations. So you have, can you give us the titles of the Christmas movies or are they are they still so, in development? So they still developed, but I have one that's coming out called Love for the Holidays that I did mm-hmm. with a partner with um Justin Hedlum. You know who Justin is. Oh yeah, Justin. Oh, I love Justin. So we have that coming out this year. We have Malik Yorber in it. Okay. We have Trina, the hip hop artist in it. We have uh Paul Campbell, legend Jamaican artist is in it. We had Jeremy Meeks in it. We have a few stars in it. We had, uh who else is in this film? Uh, Terrell Hicks. Nice. You know, from Belly and um, Bronx Tale. So, yeah, yeah. So right now, where I'm at now, films went up, upgrade, a lot of names in it, networks. So we're doing really good. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. So where can people find you and where can they follow you on, on social media and how can they support? Well, um, you can go to my website, AntoineAllenFilms.com, official website, everything there, news and everything. And um, support, just you know, hit me up. You know, whatever y'all guys want to do, uh, I'm always looking for investors for movies. <laughs> so, but yeah, everything everything's going good. But definitely go to All Black Streaming Service and watch uh, Lola Two and Lola One on okay. the streaming app. Okay. So, any last words of advice, advice rather for anyone deciding that this is something that they want to do? I think the first thing is to ask yourself, what do you really want? in this life, in this business. I had to ask this other question. Answer, what do you really want? Like, not the money, not the houses. What do your life want to be? And once you ask those questions, then start doing the research on whatever you want to do. And the second thing is, after that, sacrifice and do the work. If you want to be a, a barber, a filmmaker, a writer, put yourself in the best position so you have better options. A lot of times we don't realize that we're doing the bare minimum and we give ourselves the lottery dream. So I would love to just be a director, but I direct, I write, I produce, 
I, I do interviews, I mentor, I do all this stuff because I realize being a one trick pony is not enough. You gotta do more. You gotta do more for yourself. And 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 you know, when you don't have the resources, reach out to people. Yo, 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 I'm I have people reach out to me. Yo, I'm like Londi. I met Londi on Clubhouse. Mm-hmm. So this is why I said when you meet people and y'all spirits align and y'all about your business. I know people that have been friends with their friends and producers within the 10, 20 years they've been together. They probably did no projects or one project. Mm. I met Londi on Clubhouse. We already did four feature films together. Wow. I just met her a year and a half ago. Wow. So I, I tell a lot of times, if everybody says work, there's work, they work together. The problem a lot of people, they, they don't want to really work together. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like conversation. It's like you with someone, it's like good conversation. So Londi, like, She's a blessing because I've been asking for, I've been really asking God for another partner because mm-hmm. I'm growing and I need people that know way more than me. And yeah, we just started four projects. That's beautiful. Well, you have a new follower follower on LinkedIn. Someone just commented, Michael Tire Films. He loves the the, uh, the commentary, so he's just he just started following you. So maybe that Michael. Tire Films, Michael T Y R E Films. Thank you, Michael. Yeah. So, so Mike, make sure you reach out because you know Antoine is a, is an absolutely phenomenal brother. But yeah, Londi, I met Londi on Clubhouse, mm-hmm. and and met her for the first time in person last year when I went out to the Misho Film Festival. I'm actually flying mm-hmm. out there in July. I'm flying back, and and yeah, she she's amazing. But before we go, you you, you said something that's that's really interesting how people talk to talk but don't walk to walk as far as i want to work with you and they'll say that and you're like okay well let's go and then 50 million excuses pop up and i guess i so, get it I, I i get it because like i said this is not for everybody man like since i've been in this industry the stuff i went through this is not for everybody i see right. why you quit i see but this is thing that ask yourself when 10 20 years go past and you like damn my life ain't the way it is. You have to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what have you done? Mm-hmm. And if, if the stuff you've done is the bare minimal, then you get what you put in. And then, like I said, life ain't, another thing too, life ain't fair. I know filmmakers personally that they know way more than me. They know the lens. They know, they know all this way more than me. And they look at me like, how are you doing this? What, what, what is it he had? I mean, I, I'll tell you a story real quick. I have a filmmaker I know. And he he said to someone, Antoine don't even know how his lens is like that. He don't even know his camera like that. How he doing? How he get this deal? And I said that I told him to tell him that life ain't fair. It's <laughs> someone right now looking at Fifty Cent. Fifty Cent, how's he a film producer? He don't even know nothing. But Fifty Cent got twenty something shows on uh on networks, and he about to do something special that people don't know about that's about to come out soon. But it's because life ain't fair, and the re- difference between the, di- the difference between 50 Cent, me, Tyler Perry, Jay-Z, you look at us like, how are they doing this? They, not, they didn't go to film school. They have no degree. Mm-hmm. We are amazing at execution. Mm-hmm. And we're not artists. And we're not in our own way. And that's the key. Get out your own way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? To, to, to add on to the you not knowing the lens, well, that's why you end up hiring people who do. Yeah, because you know what? As you said, know your strengths and your weaknesses, because when I built my team, there are certain things, Antoine, that I know that I cannot do mm-hmm. and I don't even try. That is a lane that I do not occupy. But guess what? I I hire that out to the people yeah. who actually know what they're doing. And of course, you have to check with me for to make the final decision. But mm-hmm. if you know what you're doing. Perfect example before we go. You've been to my award shows. Uh-huh. I didn't do all of that. I had an entire team. Yeah. And Angelique was the one that basically mapped out the entire show. Once we get to a certain point, I would turn it over uh-huh. because I'm like, that's not what I do. You know, so that person says, well, he doesn't know lenses. Player, I ain't got no lenses, but I'm going to hire somebody that does. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, yeah. but that's the separation between somebody that approaches this from a business mindset as opposed to a creative mindset. I ain't got no lenses. 
But I have a I have business savvy to say, let me go out and find a guy that knows lenses the best. Who is that? Yeah, like I said, life ain't fair, guys. As you know, there's life ain't fair. It's <laughs> people saying things. Listen, life ain't fair. No, it ain't. If, if it was fair, I'd have hit the Powerball. So yeah, it right. is what it is. So I just tell everybody, we could all have our version. We just got to work for it. Absolutely. But Antoine, this was absolutely amazing. We we can't uh, go this long without without talking, you know. But I know you're an extremely busy man. But actually, since I have you. I'm actually doing a panel on a podcast on on the 25th of May, if you're available, because uh, as as you all know, the WGA strike is going on right now. And one of the main things that they're talking about is chat GPT and the effects that it's going to have on the industry as a whole. So you're welcome to. Okay, what is chat GPT? Oh, Wow. Chat GPT is basically, for layman's term, is like a, a search engine on steroids. So let's say, for instance, you wanted to come up with a new title for Lola because you were like, you know what? Lola's great, but I want something that's going like, like, bam, people going to be like, yo, that's crazy. So then you would enter into chat GPT. Tell me about five titles that would enhance the title Lola 2. And it starts spitting out all of this stuff. It starts spitting out all, okay, well, you could go this, you could do that, you could do that. Or AI. Say, say it again? It was basically AI. Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. It, it, it's, it's crazy. And one of the things that the, the WGA is fighting with right now is the fact that a lot of the streaming services really want to involve chat GPT in the script writing process or the screenwriting process, because you could put in to chat GPT, write me a full length script on crazy dinosaurs in a mall. And it'll spit you out a script. Listen, I got AI, I got AI app and it's amazing. Listen, let me tell you everybody, let me tell you, let me tell you everybody about this AI stuff and this right strike. This is bound going to happen. But independent filmmakers, this is really perfect for us. All the stuff that's going on, like COVID, COVID was horrible, but it was a blessing too. This strike, all this stuff is just helping the independent filmmakers. It's just helping us more because for years, for centuries, we've been getting crumbs. So this is the destroy and rebuild. All this stuff is going to happen, guys. Like this is, it's sad, but this is what's going to happen. Right now, the director and uh, the producer union contracts are coming up. There might be another strike for that too. So. Guys, just, you know, continue doing your stuff. You know, I look at, you know, a lot of writers out there striking, but I would love to, I wish this energy was the same energy when we look at those shows and we have no black writers rooms. Look at those stats. Mm. <laughs> so, Uh-oh. Look at those stats. Yeah, I, I see that. Yeah, look at those stats. Okay. Yeah, Why you out there writing and, and striking together? Look at those stats. Yeah. All right. Well, brother, I'm extending the invitation to May 25th on the podcast. You are more than welcome to, yeah, to, to join me. us because we, we, we're going to have some uh, we're going to have some phenomenal people. I don't know if you know Craig Williams. He um, he's the founder of Redwall Pro Productions and Darian Donju. He's out in, um, in Atlanta. Phenomenal, phenomenal filmmaker that's heavy into uh, third engine chat GPT AI. So, yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely send that. But again, ladies and gentlemen, Thank you so much for joining myself and the amazing Antoine Allen from Antoine Allen Films. And please go check out Lola on Tubi. Uh, Please, please, please check it out. And then also, if you have All Black, make sure you watch Lola too. And if you're not following him, please follow him on all social media platforms because this, this brother is very talented and he is definitely on the rise. But before we go, I just want to make a really quick announcement. Uh, It has been brought to my attention a few weeks ago that a conversation with is ranked number four internationally as one of the best podcasts to listen to in 2023 by Feedspot. So I just wanted to give a shout out to all of the listeners that have tuned in over the last few years and a big shout out and a big thank you to each and every guest 
that I've had on this program because you don't get to become one of the best podcasts in the independent film space without having people such as Antoine Allen on the program. Right. So we're number four internationally. We're number two in the United States, internet, you know, independent film, independent film podcast. So that's a blessing. And it's just a testament to the people that we have on this show. And with that, Antoine, my brother, it has been absolutely phenomenal talking to you, man. We definitely have to do this again. I will send you an invite for May 25th, and I'm going to definitely get into Lola, too, because I'm, I'm definitely excited to uh, see this film. And please, please, please give your regards, well, my regards, rather, to your lovely wife. Thank and you. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a phenomenal show. And as I always like to end it, Love this like a hobby, but above all, above all else, please treat this like a business. And then on that note, everyone, you have a phenomenal night. All right, everyone, have a good night. Peace.